What's going on and welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek on this Wednesday. I'm Daniel Sowerson alongside my co-host Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com. The Pelicans ride into tonight's game against the Bulls on a four-game winning streak, but this also starts a four-game road trip for New Orleans. I'll take them through Mardi Gras Day. We'll be happy to join by Adam Amin, television voice of Chicago Bulls. You've probably seen him from his previous work with ESPN and also with Fox Sports doing NFL baseball you name it adam amin has done it adam i appreciate the time how are you i'm doing good guys good to talk to you yeah i appreciate you coming on and let's talk about that for a second this is your first year as a voice of the bulls just one you know what's it been like for you being able to you know cover an nba team and you know you've done a lot of work with football and basketball and baseball but what's it like uh being the voice of the Bulls so far that's been great, man. Honestly, I'm uh, very fortunate. It's uh, my hometown team. So, you know, I, I live not far from here and or not far from the uh, arena. And uh, it's it's been awesome, you know, getting a chance to fill in the last couple of years and kind of get a sense for what it's like and then being able to do it day to day. It's it's been awesome. Just to, And I just like basketball. I love the NBA. So, you know, getting to work the NBA in my last few years at ESPN and then being able to transition over and do this now, uh, it's, it's it's been great. Uh, I love watching I just love watching these athletes every night, you know, like watching part of the Pelicans game last night and just kind of getting an appreciation for what they're doing, watching good teams every night. I called the heat and Knicks last night for uh, you know, like a VR broadcast and like just seeing all these other teams and, and sharing all these stories and kind of, you know, corralling some knowledge over the course of a few years. Now you get to relate that over the course of a broadcast. So it's uh, it's been awesome, man. With it being your hometown team, is it, is it just feel weird knowing that now you're you're covering them professionally instead of you know of course you're a fan still, but is it a little different knowing that you know this is your job now covering your favorite team? A little bit, you know, but it's it's kind of cool. Like I've always, you know, I've been a national broadcaster for nine, ten years now, and it, you just get so used to down the middle, like what's the best storyline, what's the most important thing for both teams, how you know how does this affect the biggest picture. And now you're looking at a smaller picture and that's, it's interesting for sure. And I think the biggest adjustment for me is like, I'm allowed, like I've, I've allowed myself to kind of be a fan in a sense. Like you, obviously there's a level of professionalism. You guys know this having cover covering your teams. Like, yeah, you're like, I'm not, I'm not rooting for like anything specific to happen. I want the bulls to win because my job's more fun. I like a lot of these guys. Like I've been around them. I, I, I want them to do well. But for 10 years, it wasn't really like that. You know, you just go in, you do the game, you get out, you parachute in and out. Now you're tracking very specific storylines. You're tracking a lot of uh, a lot of different things. And and now it's a, a little bit more of, a, of an emotional investment, too. So it's a, it's been a fun experience, man. A couple more questions for you, then I'll, I'll throw it over to the gym. Um, as far as Billy Donovan as a new head coach, what has changed with this team, whether it's their identity, whether it's their offense or defensive priorities? How much of it has changed under new head coach Billy Donovan? I think offensively, obviously, the biggest jump uh, has taken place. This has been at various points a top five scoring offense, more consistently a top 10 scoring offense, and then for the most part, a mid pack efficiency offense this year compared to where they were under Jim Boylan the last couple of years. Uh, much better offensively, a lot more freedom. I think Thaddeus Young's probably the best example of that, a guy who had been a very efficient scorer and offensive player, contributor everywhere he'd gone. And then last year he felt very frustrated as he was kind of relegated to almost a post position and didn't really get a chance to show off his playmaking ability this year in a Billy Donovan offense. I think his adjustment into being like a post playmaker, especially now with Lowry marketing being hurt, Wendell Carter being hurt, he's really taken the reins uh, of that role and has and has flourished in that, in that spot. Defensively, obviously this is a, le- a far 
uh, less aggressive defense. They were a blitzing team last year. They blitzed almost every pick and roll they could. They, they generated a ton of steals, and that worked against a lot of teams that maybe didn't have great ball handling. It, it didn't really work against teams that had superior ball handlers. So, you know, when you face Alonzo or you face, you know, a, a good point guard, you face a Chris Paul, you face, you know, the elite guys in this league, they handle those blitzes very well. This year, it's more of a drop coverage team. You know, they, they really try to defend a pick and roll with drop and switching more. They switch more uh, less screens than anybody else in the league. They, they're, they're trying to fight through uh, and, and blitz less. But they're, they're still having some, co- some coverage issues. And, and I think part of that is youth. Part of that is uh, lack of consistency with personnel. But it, it's been a, a little bit of a flop this year. It, it, they went from, uh, you know, being a higher level efficiency defense and a lower level offense. And you kind of, kind of flipped the script this year under Billy Donovan. We talk about Zach Levine here. You mentioned how the offense has flourished, and you can't help but talk about him, the, what he's been doing, averaging around 27 points per game. Surely needs to be a candidate to play in the All-Star game for sure. What is it about his game that's been elevated this year, or has it just been a, a gradual increase in his years um, in the league? What have you seen from him? Uh, he's in year seven now, and I think this is the time of somebody's career that you really have to make that type of jump if you want to enter the, 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 that potential of, of being an elite-level player, and I think Zach has done that this year. And, and it's not just the scoring. Uh, you know, he, we know he can score 30 pretty much every night. Um, you know, he can give you 40 on a lot of nights. You know, on some good nights, he can give you 40. Uh, he can give you 30 on a lot of nights, and then he'll give you 25 just about every night. What the, what the difference is, I think, this year – is Billy Donovan kind of getting into Zach and saying, if you want to be an elite level player, if you want to be an all-star, you need to do other things. It it can't just be you waiting for an offensive possession to get the ball in the final 10 seconds, then go ISO and go do what you want to do. You have to work in the flow of an offense. And I think the five assists a game he's averaging, the five rebounds he's adding, uh, the higher level of efficiency in terms of his shooting, I think those things have really elevated his, his game. And uh, Billy Donovan, I think, deserves a lot of credit for that. Just to be able to express that to a player that desired that type of push. You know, he's a younger guy. You know, he's, he's 25, 26 years old. But you're a seven-year veteran now in this league. You need to make that adjustment. You need to make that leap. And I give him all the credit in the world, man. He's, he's really embraced that role. He's embraced being more of a team guy. But the, the biggest development, I think, for Zach is feel. You know, like I said, at this point of your career, you, you need to start developing that feel. When do, you, when do you need to be a distributor? Do you need to be aggressive early in games? The last couple of games, it's felt like, yeah, you kind of need Zach Levine to be aggressive in the first quarter rather than being passive and, and trying to allow his teammates to get involved. Some games you're going to need to take the final shot. Some games you're going to need to pass the ball off. Like we, we've talked about shot selection. I think it's gotten better. I think it still needs to be refined in some of the more key stretches of games, whether it's early in a game or in a late stretch, he, he, his feel is really starting to develop. It probably hasn't led to as many victories as you'd like to see. But that being said, this is still a team that was in position to win a lot of games this year that they would not have been in position to win a year ago. Adam, I think really across the league for a variety of reasons, one of the guys that players on the Bulls that people are really the most interested in right now is Patrick Williams. Um, what was your reaction to – that pick, it seemed like he really rose the draft boards, you know, kind of late. He wasn't a guy that played, you know, like started at Florida State. Um, what was your reaction to that when you when he was picked fourth? And also, how impressed have you been with what he's done so far as a rookie? 
I didn't really know what to expect outside of the top three, right? I mean, we kind of had a sense of the top three being who they are. It's, it's going to be Edwards, Wiseman, Ball in some order. Yep. And those three guys feel like there's no guarantees, I think, outside of, you know, outside of the LeBron Jameses of the world. There wasn't a gravitational player the way I think Zion probably was when he came out in the draft last year. You know, you kind of just knew this is the guy and, and you're going to roll with this kid. And uh, obviously, whether you know, you're worried about the knee or not, this kid's a gravitational type player. I think we didn't really have any sense of that outside of the first three. And even the first three were a, bit, a, little, a little bit of a question as well. When we got to number four, I was curious as to what the thought process was because it's a brand new front office this year, new coaching staff, obviously. So Arturis Karnaschovas comes in from Denver, takes over as VP, and you, you think about what the Nuggets are and what they've been and how they've developed and, and building around guys like a Jamal Murray and a Nikola Jokic and how Jokic has become the modern type of five, modern type of NBA players. So that's where AK's head is. I think to at least getting to know him and talk to him a little bit, you could get a sense that he is really looking towards the modern and kind of looking ahead uh, towards the evolution. So you see a player like Patrick Williams doesn't start, like you mentioned, Jim at, at Florida state. Uh, he is six man of the year type of player. You wonder, well, never started a game and now you're having him start right out of the gate in the NBA. What's this going to mean? He is very naive. And I mean that in like, you know, like, like a positive way. He's just, he doesn't know what he doesn't know yet. He's 19 years old when I think it was uh, Pokushevsky of the Thunder went to the G League. That made Patrick Williams the youngest player in the NBA. So you're looking at a 19-year-old who's already in the starting lineup, who has an NBA-ready body already. He has point guard ability, handled point guard in high school. That was one of the things that Karnashov has really pointed at. I like this kid because he has a ball-handling skill set. And then his athleticism, his movement on defense, he's already guarded Kawhi, LeBron James, Giannis. He's guarded Luka. Uh, we'll see who he gets matched up with tonight. Uh, I imagine he could be thrown at a couple of different guys, but he's been trusted with hard defensive assignments already. His athleticism is built for that. And I think scoring-wise, as long as he's not hesitant, you'll, you might see this tonight where he, he'll pump on a shot, he'll look around and then take it. He might step first and then go back into a shooting pocket and then take the shot he'll get called for some traveling violations because he, he's a little indecisive but we've seen flashes of this kid when he's aggressive and confident and decides he's going to go to the basket he can do those things and, and I think he's worked out really really well I think he's uh, I don't know if he's been a surprise to people in, in the Bulls organization because I think this is kind of what they were expecting but I do think he you know guys like Tyrese Halliburton maybe LaMelo Ball in a sense these guys have been surprises, very pleasant surprises around the league this year. And, and Williams won't win rookie of the year. I think right now LaMelo is clearly in, in control for that award, but I, I think he'd be a very strong candidate for rookie of the year. I remember in the fall, right before the draft, we spoke to Casey Johnson, who's an excellent Bulls reporter, yeah. about um, the, the Bulls season, the draft, and this is the season overall, the big picture. And one of the things that he talked about was that the evaluation process for the Bulls has been tough because – some of their younger guys and some of their really key guys have missed so many games with injuries. Yeah. Unfortunately, it seems like it's kind of repeated again this year where you mm -hmm. have guys that you really want to see on the court, not be able to be there, but um, short term. And, and as far as the game tonight goes, um, how are the bulls trying to compensate for being without some of these key guys? And who are some of the players that we might see more of tonight that as a result that we maybe new Orleans fans aren't necessarily that familiar with. 
Yeah, I think uh, kind of getting an understanding for what this organization wants in this particular year. Like you wanted this to be, like, I don't think the wins and losses are really that important for this year. I want like for us, they are because we want a good product. We want to be entertained and, and we want to be able to, you know, leave happy, I guess, for lack of a better term. But I think overall for the, for the front office, this was an evaluation year, really hard to do that when Lowry Markinen has been out because of he had a calf issue early, but then he was out because of the COVID protocol. So he missed seven games came back and now he's got this right shoulder sprain. So he's out for a couple of weeks. He had been playing his best basketball of his career, really, I think during like a seven, eight game stretch until they got hurt. And he's in a contract year. You know, the, the bulls did not get a, uh, a deal done an extension done with market and past his rookie scale deal. So, you know, you're getting him on the cheap right now, but he's going to be a restricted free agent. And now you don't really have a full, full, obviously in a weird year, but like a 70 game, slate to look at him now you're looking at maybe 50 games where you might get a chance to look at it you might only have 45 games to decide if this is a guy you want to go forward with now granted he's got your you know a few years of, of track record behind him but he's been hurt in those seasons as well he had the injury and the you know the stress fracture last year so there's a lot of concern there more so in terms of are we betting on the right horse here and again i'm not saying that lowry's not worth it i'm just saying that's what i imagine the thought process is when a guy's dealing with injury, Wendell Carter Jr. This year was starting to find a little bit of a role in particular in the offense. Like I think he's an okay defender who has some struggles with drop coverage, but he was starting to kind of figure some of those things out and you could at least understand where he's coming from. He's a smart guy, but offensively he was a really good release valve in the middle of the floor. That's the role that Thaddeus Young is starting to play now. But the problem with Carter being out, Markinen being out and then Otto Porter, who's been dealing with a back issue uh, kind of shut down from some basketball activity. You're losing Porter's point production off the bench. You're losing marketing as a defender in, you know, he could, he might've been matched up with the Zion, you know, like he, you would might put a seven footer on Zion just to try to limit some of the airspace that Zion can occupy. You lose that. Now you lose uh, a defender and a playmaker offensively in Carter who can give you a double, double performance each night. So now you're leaning on guys like Thaddeus young to play minutes in the thirties rather than minutes in the 20s. And Billy Donovan is really trying. You, you, you see how some of the veterans around the league are trying to get minutes managed. Curry in, in Golden State, with how Curry is trying to manage his minutes right now, he's being very adamant. Like, we need to look long-term. And you're really trying to save some of the legs of, of some of these players. So Cristiano Felicio is getting time now. A guy who has been uh, relegated to bench duty and very little playing time. But now he's got to play key, like 10 key minutes. Daniel Gafford is starting in the, in the five spot. He hasn't been able to stay out of foul trouble. So that's been an issue for him. He's been good when he's been on the floor, but he gets into foul trouble against frontline starters at the five spot, which, you know, Steven Adams is a frontline starter. How is Daniel Gafford going to, you know, survive in terms of not trying to get into foul trouble against a player like that. So you're leaning on a lot of guys in the front court right now to, to build up minutes against top line guys that typically wouldn't have to play those minutes. That's a real concern right now. Before I let you go, this has been great stuff, learning more about the Chicago Bulls. As far as tonight's game and what you know about New Orleans, you talked about watching some of last night's game. Obviously, you pay attention around the league. What have you seen from New Orleans that kind of help you guys prepare for your game tonight as they take on the Bulls? Well, I was interested with uh, what Lonzo was doing last night. A little bit more aggressive than maybe we've seen him early in the season. Some straight line drives to the rim, being aggressive. 
uh, getting to the foul line and, and sinking free throws. I know that's been an issue this year at times for the Pelicans, but they were really good last night. Zion's playing great, man. And, and I love Stan Van Gundy's philosophy on letting him be a playmaker. His assist numbers have been really good. What did he have? Uh, seven assists last night. I think that's the second or third time he's had seven assists this year. Uh, continues to, to value the ball. Efficient scorer. I think the one game he played against the Bulls last year, he was like nine for 11 from the floor. So, you know, we the Bulls have seen it. Like, like a lot of these guys on this roster have seen how efficient Zion can be. Ingram's just been one of the best stories in the league the last two years. Like, you know, a lot of these guys that were cast-offs from the Lakers, and I don't mean that negatively. They were good players. You're, you're making a trade for Anthony Davis. That's You're going to have to give up some pieces. But guys who have been traded away from the Lakers have found success, which I, I think is awesome, whether it's Lonzo or Brandon Ingram. Uh, I love the Adams fit. In, uh, in this offense, I was a huge fan of his. Obviously, Billy Donovan knows Steven very, very well in their time in Oklahoma City together. So I really like the makeup of this group. I like the bench. I like the, 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 depth, the depth that's being built now. I can't, I can't imagine that uh, the Bulls would be very happy if Josh Hart had 15 rebounds tonight from the guard position. So uh, I've been really impressed. This four-game win streak, you see the efficiency, you see the assist numbers going up. And uh, I'm a big fan of what Stan's doing. I think that early stretch this year, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it ad nauseum, where the offense just, just looks so out of sorts trying to get all these pieces involved. Uh, I think we're well past that at this point. This last seven, eight-game stretch has really proven that. Should be a good one tonight from the United Center in Chicago. Adam will be on the call for Bulls TV. Uh, Adam, I really appreciate the time. Enjoy the game, and hopefully we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, guys. Good stuff there from Adam Amin, television voice of the Chicago Bulls. Really learned a lot about what to expect from the Bulls tonight. Jim seeming like a very shorthanded team for Chicago with a few of their pieces out tonight. Um, the Pelicans on a back-to-back, that can certainly help them as they try to extend their winning streak to five. But going back to this four-game winning streak, I think Adam mentioned it, and he's been spot on about the offense efficiency for this team in these in this four games. The assists have gone up. Zion's assists have gone up. I mean, you're, you're starting to see some really good basketball from this team. It's been certainly fun to watch. It has been. And I think in addition to that, the defense has made such a big jump from earlier in the season. Um, I think early in the year, or at least during that stretch where they were really struggling, if we had seen them hold the, an opponent to 101 points like they did against Houston, we would have been extremely happy with that. But the way that they've been playing lately, it hasn't really been that that um, unusual for them to keep a team down the way they did against Houston. Um, Adam talked about, and, and we, we've gone over a little bit of the, the problems that Chicago has right now. It does seem like the Pelicans have caught some teams in at, at good times as far as teams playing in back-to-backs and teams with guys out for injury or rest like the Rockets had last night. But one of the things I noted about tonight's game is that um, – this is the Pelicans' third back-to-back, but the other ones, the second game was a home game. And I do think it does make a little bit of a difference in terms of waking up in your own bed. I don't know what time they got to Chicago last night after the home game, but I'm sure it was pretty late. So maybe it helps a little bit that the game is at 8 o'clock and they definitely have a lot more time to rest today. But still, it's a little bit of a different animal, I think, when the when you're playing a back-to-back and the second game is on the, on the road. So they definitely need to bring the energy and capitalize on the situation, but they've been doing a really good job of that lately of no matter what the circumstances are, um, being able to get a win regardless. I know that the last, the first four games of this winning streak that the Pelicans have put together have really been teams that are, you know, right around 500 or better, good teams. The Bulls are really struggling, but it's just another case of, 
you know, you gotta, you gotta capitalize on this and, and be able to put together a win. And this actually would be the first five game winning streak for the Pelicans since 2018, the very end of that regular season. I'm sure everyone remembers got them into the playoffs. Then they played Portland and swept them. So they actually won nine games in a row, but officially it was a five game winning streak because we don't carry over the postseason to it. But that that's uh, kind of what's on, one of the things that's on the line tonight in the United center. Should be a fun one tonight. And again, you can read Jim's work on pelicans.com and the mobile app. You can follow him on Twitter at Jim underscore. I has plenty of stuff for you on this game day, even with no shoot around He'll go inside the numbers and plenty more. Jim, I really appreciate the time. I'm excited, man. I mean, we talk about this. We see the ups and downs of this team, how they started four and two, went on that road trip and really struggled. And, and now they've started to kind of find their way here. So I'm looking forward to tonight's game and, uh, Hopefully we're talking about another win on Friday as we have another podcast. That would be great. I mean, it's been quite a turnaround. I think the enthusiasm and the optimism has gone way up and it's, it's done really a 180 from not that long ago when I think people were pretty down and negative about the way things were going. So yeah, looking forward to tonight. Pelicans and Bulls, 8 p.m. Central time. You can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans or listen on ESPN New Orleans, 100.3 FM pregame coverage starting at 7.30. Jim and I will be back on Friday with Tim McMahon who covers the Dallas Mavericks for ESPN.com as they'll continue their four-game road trip on Friday against the Mavericks. For Jim, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.